Hey, Brown Girls, it's Ashanti, host of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics. Welcome to season eight. Right now, women of color are at the helm of our most important political organizations. They're running the show without a playbook and taking on the reins and showing up in the face of national crises, all in the middle of a pandemic. We're diving deep into what it means to be a trailblazer in politics during these changing times. To kick off the season, we're talking to one of the biggest names in organizing and politics, LaFonza Butler, president of Emily's List. We spoke less than 48 hours after Emily's List issued a statement condemning Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema's opposition to filibuster reform. LaFonza told us about her journey, her inspirations, and the most important thing that she's keeping at the front of her 2022 strategy, voting rights. I hope you enjoy our conversation. LaFonza, thank you so much for joining us today. I honestly couldn't think of a better person to kick off the season, to kick off Black History Month, than the first Black woman to lead Emily's List. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an important year uh, for Black girls in politics. And so I'm grateful to be able to be a part of this month's conversation and episode. We have so much to talk about. You're kicking us off for Black History Month, but we are recording this the day after we have seen the Senate, especially Senate Republicans, also two Democrats, once again, hold us back on voting rights, which we know are so important to Black women, Brown women, women of color. We know it's fundamental. So you put out a really great statement. Just tell me what you think about all of this and how it's going to impact Emily's List work during another crucial midterm election cycle. It's a great, great question. We are organizations whose work is uh, in the space of electoral politics are having to think about how do the laws that Republican legislature, legislatures from state after state How are those laws going to impact the work that we do? And the fact that the federal government, namely the Senate, failed to create federal standards. And so for Emily's List, it changes very little, honestly, Ashanti. This is an organization that was founded almost 40 years ago because we knew that the face of American politics needed to change. And we still feel that way today. Every time there have been barriers put in front of this organization and communities that we work with and the women that we work with to recruit and help to support, every time those barriers are thrown in our way, we find a way over them. We find a way around them. And in this moment, that is exactly what we intend to do. Republicans think that they have shut out the voices that they have tried to limit. And I am confident that the work that Emily's List does, the candidates that we put forward to ask for the trust of their districts and their constituents. I'm confident they're going to be able to earn their trust and we're going to be able to turn this around and hopefully have 54 Democratic senators after this midterm is over. Yes, I know y'all are already on it. I want to ask you this question, and I'm going to be honest, my friends and I were having this conversation the other day about the statement y'all put out about Kristen Sinema. 
And I'm like, oh, she's having a bad day. I'm like, <laughs> she met LaFonza and not, <laughs> and not in a good way. And it does bring up, you know, a question I know you get, I get, but we have to be honest that not all women in elected office do the best things at times that support women. And we got to call that out. And, you know, people will be like, oh, but you're being hypocritical and blah, blah. We have to be honest. We know that there are women in Congress who don't believe in paid family leave. We're seeing women in Congress who don't believe in voting rights. I mean, we can go just down the list of how some of our own can hold us back. So in this day and age, when we actually have a woman being so vocal about things that are important to protecting our democracy, what are you thinking during this time? You know, I'm very mission focused, uh, Ashanti. I try to wake up every single day. The mission of Emily's List, not only in my mind, but in my spirit. And the thing about the mission of Emily's List that I invite folks to remind themselves of is that that mission is very clear. Electing Democratic pro-choice women. Now, more often than not, people focus on Democratic and pro-choice, but I would suggest to them that there is a verb in front of that, that action is required. We have to actually be able to elect these women and have our candidates earn the trust and support of the people who they're asking for their vote. And so how we are approaching it is purely from that point of view. The fact that so many communities will be impacted negatively, that they can no longer have the full faith that their vote and voice will be counted and heard because of the laws that are being passed all over this country. When did it become illegal to be able to give someone water who was standing in line? Mm -hmm. It became illegal when Georgia Republicans decided they did not want communities across metro Atlanta to stand in those lines and be determined to cast those ballots. And so, look, For me, for Emily's List, we are going to focus on the action of our mission. We needed the federal government. It was imperative that the Senate last night make a different decision. But it is uh, not an obstacle that can't be overcome. We are going to work to overcome it, to move from 50 senators to 52 senators to 54 senators, Democratic senators. And we are going to continue to put voting rights at the central point of discussion as the foundation of our democracy. And keeping with the Senate more good Democratic women in the Senate, you also have a great op-ed in Essence. Y'all, LaFonda's been busy this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, let me update all the things I need to ask LaFonda about because it has changed in 72 hours. She has been so busy. You have this great op-ed talking about the need for us to have a Black woman in the Senate again. You know, you worked with our now Vice President, Kamala Harris. Tell us a little bit more about those efforts. You know, we put out the op-ed. There's a great comms team at Emily's List. And I was able to work with our team to make sure that we were marking not only the moment of the first year anniversary of the first woman, the first black woman, the first woman of color being in the second highest office, most powerful office in the world. 
it is an anniversary that all of us uh, should be celebrating. I know I am. I know my little girl is. And so as we were thinking about what it means and reflecting on what it means to have Vice President Harris, we also have to appreciate that in this moment where we're having a conversation in the Senate, about voting rights and the constraints that these laws that are being passed in state after state, who they actually have impact on. There are lots of communities that are represented in that conversation. And the community that is noticeably not represented in that conversation in the U.S. Senate is the voice of Black women. And for me as a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, Having seen women like my mother and grandmother, my aunts, the neighbors in my community every year do everything they could to work on behalf of the Democratic Party to know that their voice is not being heard or represented in that debate on the floor of the U.S. Senate. I felt like it was an important moment for us to have the whole conversation, not just about Senator Sinema and her actions, not just about Republicans and their inaction, but about the voices that are not at the table in the U.S. Senate. And Emily's List is determined to do something about it this year. And we are excited to work with our partners to recruit incredible candidates and put the voices of Black women at every conversation, at every table, in every decision-making room. You just have a history of centering women. And I want to talk more about your work now at Emily's List. But I want them to get to know also LaFonza, the labor queen who did so many great things out in Los Angeles. And, you know, you're just one of the key women who was working to make sure not only that women had leadership roles in elected office, but also in the labor movement. You know, I'm an activist, too. That's how I got my start. And I think it's very important for us to tell that to the BGG community that we did not wake up the president of Emily's List, (laughs) the president of our merge. You know, we got to start knocking doors, canvassing, you know, making some people mad with some of the things we were doing and saying. So tell us a little bit about LaFonza before Emily's List. That's such an incredibly important question to help frame my perspective on my approach to Emily's List. And I think it's important for the community to know that LaFonza that showed up at SEIU as a 21-year-old organizer whose frame of social justice was always that of the civil rights movement, not the labor movement per se, but began to only understand that those two things worked synchronously because I had the experience of attending a historically black college. Go important ahead and to, shout it out. It's a it's important <laughs> to who I am. I, you know, I am a Jackson State Tiger. Uh, uh the I love. Uh and um we are always going to be representing the sonic boom of the south. Uh most importantly, the folks in in uh in Jackson, Mississippi, my professors at Jackson State University, Dr. Mary D. Coleman, Dr. Leslie McLemore. Those professors helped me to understand not only the nature of, of course, higher education and the essential curiosity that is required to pursue wisdom and really demonstrate mastery, but they also taught that our government are structures that were created to do the things that they do. And 
that what they were putting together, the overlay that they were creating or that they created for me was that there is structures and there are people and those things sometimes collide. And it is not bad for those things to sometimes collide because that is when real change happens. And so I went from being a, a young tiger at Jackson State <laughs> to to wearing my purple T-shirt, um, to proudly be learning how to be an effective organizer, labor organizer at SEIU, working with men and women every single day, asking them to put their jobs on the line, their very livelihoods on the line to be able to build power with their coworkers to change the system that was keeping them in poverty, their employer, that was keeping them silent, their company, uh, that was keeping them in some instances away from their kids, the hours, their schedules that they work, the fact that they didn't have healthcare to provide for their families. And so I proudly spent 18 years at SEIU from the time I was 21 years old to the time I was 39. I worked in the labor movement. I wore that purple t-shirt. I marched up and down streets. I walked the halls of state legislatures and city halls all over this country. And most importantly, I stood with working men and women for 18 years. And so, yes, it is true. I was not born. I didn't just wake up yesterday and, and find myself the president of Emily's List. The shoulders I stand on as the president of Emily's List are not only the shoulders of my parents, are not only the shoulders of, of my, my college professors who taught me how to be curious. Most importantly, Ashanti, it's the shoulders of those home care workers and those nursing home workers who really taught me what it means to stick together, to really build power, and to be relentless in our pursuit for justice. I love it. Back to HBCU. So many of my best friends went to HBCU. So I know the minute I went to an HBCU was dropped, I'm like, say it. Shout out you your school. You your <laughs> I have learned. I have been trained. <laughs> just give space for us to just sit in it for me. Yes. And I love it every time. I love it every time. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. In 2022, we're protecting our peace and our paychecks. But are you ready to also help protect our freedom to vote? Right now, in state legislatures and communities nationwide, anti-democracy politicians and conspiracy theorists are trifling with our freedom by attempting to silence the voices of Black and Brown voters. They know when we come together to claim our political power, we make progress on everything from access to health care, reproductive justice, protecting our planet, and the freedom to just be. That's why Verified Action is working to protect your freedom to vote. But we need you in this fight. Join me and visit fairfight.com today to learn how you can be a part of the movement to ensure all of our voices are heard. If you've ever donated to your favorite Democratic candidate during an election season or even an off year, then you probably have come across our next sponsor, Act Blue. They're the left's leading online fundraising platform, trusted by millions of small dollar donors 
looking to give and make an impact. AgBlue is a nonprofit that builds tech and infrastructure for democratic campaigns, progressive aligned causes, and people dedicated to fueling long-term people power change. Their tools are created especially for campaigns and organizations of all sizes. Seriously, no race is too small. From county commissioners to presidential candidates, AppBlue makes it easier for anyone to contribute and be a part of progress. We all know midterms are around the corner, and now is a great time to donate to candidates and causes you care about most. Go to actblue.com backslash directory to find candidates and causes to give to. And follow Actblue on Instagram at actblueorg and on Twitter at actblue to keep up with the latest in grassroots fundraising. Welcome back. Here's more of my conversation with LaFonza Butler. So you now are the president of Emily's List, and you came to the organization at such a pivotal time. I know I was so excited when they announced you. You had this great video that came out. I was lucky to get on your schedule that week and just say a quick hello. I'm so excited to work with you. I got me a Black woman partner at Emily's List. But we also know this work right now is so hard. There's a lot that is happening with the attacks on reproductive freedom, with the attacks that are keeping women from wanting to run for office, especially women of color. How have your first few months been? Yeah, I get asked that question often, Ashanti. And every time I do, it it makes me pause for a number of different reasons. One, to appreciate the responsibility of being the first Black woman to lead this incredibly powerful and storied organization. It makes me pause to appreciate that my presence is an example for others. And so how has it been going? I think my experience in that, and every time I take that beat to think about and appreciate those things, I, I find myself smiling. I think that it has gone really well. It, look, it's no doubt that this is going to be a hard election cycle. History tells us that. And everybody that you talk to reminds you that history tells us that. Oh, yeah. Uh, every, right? so, <laughs> every, every, every day. I'm like, I'm like every yes. conversation. I'm like, yes, yes I know. know. <laughs> right. <laughs> we know. We know. So, look, there's no doubt that this is going to be a very hard electoral year, but That's why I appreciate the pause at the top of that answer, because every time I take that pause, I get to really think about again and reflect on the fact that there is nothing that I've ever worked so hard on in my career that was impactful and on its path to justice. That was easy. Yeah. And so to know that I have done hard things, to be Mm -hmm. confident in the fact that I know how to do hard things. It's not to say that I always get it perfectly. It's not to say that everything is exactly the way that I, you know, I've won every battle and everything is exactly the way that I planned, but I know how to do hard things. I know how to build teams. I know how to be in community and build coalition. I know how to take strong, tough stances and to articulate what it is that we are about. And so I am sober about 
what is ahead of us. At the same time, I still I share the optimism of my seven year old daughter in that in that initial video, the optimism of watching her stand in front of the television, watching Vice President Harris take the oath of office one year ago today. That optimism, that is the optimism that's going to move this country forward. It's the optimism that's going to ensure that we elect Black women to the Senate. It's the optimism that's going to make sure that Latino and uh, Latinx communities are not going to be left behind, not by Emily's list. It's the same optimism that makes sure that we are reaching out to AAPI communities and white communities and rural communities and making sure that we bring Emily's list more proximate, not only to our candidates, but to our voters and their communities. And so, sure, it is going to be tough. I know the team at Emily's List is built for tough things, and we are doing everything that we can to make sure that both our organization and our candidates are ready to do tough things right along with everyone else. I love it. I think this is why we get along so well. (laughs) I tell the team at Emerge, I'm like, we can do hard things. Like, we do hard things every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't give ourselves enough credit sometimes, Ashanti. Folks in a political space, we base things on wins and losses. And Mm -hmm. I think that's great. It's a very clear, measurable measurement for success. And the things that happen in between those wins and losses, the hard things, the things that keep you up at night, the things that have finance directors going home crying and communications, (laughs) communication staff (laughs) rewriting the press release, like those are the hard things. Yeah, that's the things that those are the parts of the story that never gets told. And I think is underappreciated sometimes and undervalued, particularly in politics. And so as the community is listening to this, hopefully we can appreciate not just the wins and get down by the losses, but we can appreciate whatever the outcome that we made it through the hard things. Yes. And we do our weekly team meetings and every week someone has the question to ask. And this week it was, so when you wake up in the middle of the night, what are the things that you think about? And I'm like, oh, I I can't jump in. I'll take the whole hour. (laughs) 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 I, I will take the whole hour. But something else you said that I do want to touch on is not doing everything perfectly. And I love that you said it. When I took over Emerge and spoke to the team, I let them know. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm like, also, Emily's List has never been done before. Merge has never been done before. There's no playbook. I took over right at the beginning of the pandemic. You're also a pandemic president. Mm-hmm. We don't get to turn to like chapter three, Mm-mm. you know, oh, pandemic. Mm-mm. Here, Here's Mm-mm. how you run it. I looked on Audible. It's right there. <laughs> I know. There is, no, <laughs> there is no book for it. You are right. Just tell me how to do this. And let's just like dive a little bit into that, especially as women in leadership. There's people who would tell us, no, you can't say anything like that. You always have to be right. You have to be strong. And I know for both of us, we're like empathetic servant leaders. And that means that I'm not always going to get it right. I'll admit that I didn't get it right, but guess what? We'll work to fix it. That's 1,000% right. And thanks so much for bringing this up. I think it's a really important conversation, particularly as we head into this, what we've already discussed is going to be a really hard electoral cycle. 
And as, you know, so many women of color are assuming the role of leadership in this time when things are incredibly tough. Myself, you, our sister at Higher Heights, Glenda, you know, many Timaraju at yeah. NARAL. Literally, she came on after me, so she's yes. even newer than I am. Alexis is probably right. the most senior of us all. She is. Uh, like, Alexis <laughs> is queen. Alexis is queen. But and she's I, a year in, a right. year two in. And so, like, I think the grace, the model that we have all shown each other mm-hmm. as partners and leaders I think is important for other young women to know about and to hear about. You know, when I, my first, when my announcement was made, every single one of you called me, every single one called me to say, what can we do? How can we be helpful? And I think one of the things that I might've said to my team, I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> Cause I say it to every team I lead. Not only will I not get it right all the time, I will get on your nerves. <laughs> Expect it. It's coming. (laughs) And and by the way, you're going to get on mine. Yes. (laughs) And what we know is like the grace that we have to give each other, Mm -hmm. the empathy that of under and understanding that is required to do these jobs. These are high pressure jobs, whether it's the leadership roles or the senior staff roles. These are high pressure, high consequence positions. And it is, I think, what you what we have all sort of shown each other. Whether it's, you know, like I said, the ladies that I've named or, or there have been countless women who have reached out to me. Ajahn Poo from Caring Across Generations and the work that she's been doing at the Domestic Workers Alliance. It, there's been countless women I know who has reached out to all of us. And I would just say to your community, there is a community of women, particularly women of color, but all women who are out there to help each other to help hold each other up. One person said to me, I will always have my hand at your back. Mm-hmm. Have my hand at your back. And so just knowing that we all have a hand at each other's back, I think is so incredibly important. And sure, as women of color, our the expectation on us is not changed, particularly in a yeah. tough year. It yeah. is, those expectations are still going to be there. And we will win some, we will lose some, we will do some things perfectly. Right. We will make a hot mess of some other things. Right. Just like and and ooh. that's okay too. <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh, didn't didn't see that coming. Like had right. planned out the different scenarios, but didn't see that. And one of the things that I just love too is how you were able to state how many women of color are currently leading these national organizations. Like that's huge. The fact that Lafonso was just able to say that, because I know when I moved to D.C., that didn't exist at all. So it also shows how much things are changing and how these organizations are being led by women of color, which I never really thought I would say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know that anybody else did either, uh, but I'm But I'm glad we are able to to say that. And I think it does mark an incredible evolution. It does. In a democratic party, in our movement, and in our country. It it does mark an incredible evolution, and it is worth naming. It is. And I tell people all the time, I'm just so lucky to be in this role during this time, but to have so many amazing women that I get to 
count on professionally and personally. Like you need that. So I just, I feel very blessed to have so many sister CEOs, as I like to say. (laughs) That's incredibly powerful. That is incredibly powerful. LaFonza, I could talk to you forever, but I want to close us out. Give the BGG community one of your key lessons learned. Always negotiate from a position of power. Mm. No matter the situation, it is always a negotiation. Oftentimes we negotiate with ourselves, but always remember that you are standing in an incredibly powerful place and being, and, and you are incredibly powerful just as you are. And so any negotiation moves based on that. So BGG community, never forget your power and negotiate from there. LaFonza, thank you so much. And I can't wait to see all the amazing things that you're going to continue to do. We are just lucky to have you leading during this time. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I, if there's anything I can do for the community, always here. Thank you. You heard what LaFonza said, everyone. Never forget your power and negotiate from there. This is so true. As women of color in politics, we're playing in a system that was not built for us. And if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you have heard me say that many, many times. This system was built for white land-owning men. That part of the history books, they're not trying to change. The founding fathers never anticipated the political participation of us women, and they most certainly never anticipated the political participation of black and brown people. Every time that we walk into a room or when we take our seat at the table, we are proof that we have disrupted the system. And that scares people. I remember times when I would shrink myself, not own my power, and feel uncomfortable in my skin because the system made me feel unworthy and undeserving. Now, as I have grown professionally and personally, I remind myself that I'm not here by default. I'm in these spaces and places for a reason. You both heard LaFonza and I talk about how the work that we do is hard. And while it is hard, it is also so rewarding. We do this hard work so other brown girls can walk into rooms, put their name on the ballot, take their seat at the table, and fully own their power. So in conclusion, in times of doubt, know you have power, own it, and yield it to do more good. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us for our season eight premiere. We're so excited to introduce you to all of our incredible trailblazers this season. Please take time to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps us out. For more information on the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, you can find us at www.thebgguide.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. The Brown Girls Guide to Politics podcast is produced by Wonder Mia Network, and you can find them at Wonder
www.kathymulkerin.com. Join us next Tuesday, where we will talk to Kathy Mulkerin, the first woman of color on the Walla Walla Washington School Board. She'll tell us all about her high-profile campaign and the importance of local elections. Until next time, Brown Girls. Hey, Brown Girls. I want to tell you about a podcast I think you'll love. It's called Well-Read Black Girl, and it's the literary kickback you never knew you needed. Author and founder of the Well-Read Black Girl Book Club, Glory Adam, sits down with some of our favorite authors of color for close conversations on art, culture, and the power of the written word. Luminaries like Tarana Burke, Gabrielle Union, Anita Hill, and more discuss how they found their voice, honed their skill, and composed some of the most interesting and impactful writing of the day. You'll meet Black bookstore owners, literacy advocates, and members of the Well-Read Black Girl Book Club who pay homage to the literary legacies of the women who paved the way. Whether you're an aspiring writer, a total bookworm like me, or just want to peek behind the page of the brightest minds around you, this show is for you. Listen to Well-Read Black Girl wherever you get your podcasts.